Welcome to the Preservation Technology Podcast, the show that brings you the people and projects that are advancing the future of America's heritage. I'm Kevin Ammons, and today we join NCPTT's Jeff Ewan as he speaks with Eric Schindelholz, a conservator in private practice who specializes in metals and marine archaeological materials. Eric was the principal investigator for a PTT grant project that examines methods to dry waterlogged archaeological wood. All right. Well, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Before we get started, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved with the science of conservation? Hi, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for having me. First off, I I became aware of conservation as an undergraduate archaeology student and went on my first excavation in Israel and uh, met a conservator for the first time and realized that uh, there's more to archaeology than just digging up stuff. There's also the preservation aspect. So uh, the science of preservation along with the interest in archaeology is kind of what steered me into conservation to begin with. And as an undergrad, I took some chemistry courses and uh, more archaeology courses and then went on to obtain a master's in conservation. My first job out of conservation school from my master's was on a shipwreck project called USS Monitor. And just a little bit of background on the USS Monitor project, it was at that time one of the largest conservation projects dealing with iron shipwrecks in the world. There was about 250 tons of material from the Civil War uh, shipwreck that had been recovered. And our team was in charge of preserving. So that lent to some uh, major challenges in dealing with the volume of the material that we had and also the variety of different types of material. We had lots of iron, but we also had lots of waterlogged wood and organic artifacts. So it's kind of through this project where uh, we started working a lot with material scientists and other scientists outside the field of conservation to start doing some research and design work to tackle these challenges that aren't usually brought up in the normal conservation lab. So that's kind of how uh, I became interested and uh, started in the science of conservation. So actually that project kind of led into the project we're talking about today with the NCPTT grant, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. During that project, I'd mentioned that we had uh, a number of these wood artifacts. We had gun tools that they used to maintain and uh, fire the guns with. We also had some personal effects and furniture details and pieces, all of which were fairly degraded and covered with rust, some of which also had iron pieces attached to them. So they're fairly complicated artifacts, and we had a lot of them. So uh, our task was then to kind of find the best uh, treatment method we could for these artifacts. And we looked at some of the typical types of conservation treatments, but we also looked into this uh, fairly new conservation treatment that had been recently developed, and that was in the 90s, by St. Andrews University called supercritical drying. Okay, we'll explain what supercritical drying is. Supercritical drying is basically the method that we used in this study is basically soaking a waterlogged organic artifact, in our case wood, in a series of organic solvents like acetone and ethanol to replace the water in the wood with the solvent. And then taking that solvent-soaked artifact 
placing it in uh, kind of loosely described as a pressure cooker and pumping in carbon dioxide, bringing the heat and pressure up in this vessel to create supercritical carbon dioxide. Supercritical carbon dioxide is a form of matter, or supercritical fluid actually is a form of matter that's neither a liquid or a gas, but displays kind of the properties of both liquids and gases. So we're all familiar with our three uh, most common states of matter, which would be solid, liquid, and gas. So there are a couple other of these types of phases, one being the supercritical. So at this elevated temperature and pressure, you have this fluid uh, that has the solvent properties of a liquid, but the diffusivity of a gas, meaning when we put this solvent-soaked artifact in our uh, loosely termed pressure cooker and remove that solvent with the carbon dioxide, it does it so very quickly because it's like a gas. But it also does so without uh, liquid surface tension. And uh, a liquid surface tension is pretty important when drying any type of artifact. And you can find this phenomena very easily in your home by looking at the drying of a sponge. The liquid surface tension is basically a force put on an object by a drying liquid, which causes stress on it and in the form of a sponge, which has a very weak cell structure, very similar to waterlogged wood, that sponge shrinks up. So back to the case in point here, in our pressure cooker with the supercritical carbon dioxide uh, and you removing all these organic liquid solvents and replacing it with this gas-like substance that doesn't have a liquid surface tension, you're avoiding that shrinkage from occurring. And after you go through this process, which can take a number of hours to a few days, what happens is you just depressurize the vessel and you're left with this artifact filled with carbon dioxide. And we know at room temperature and standard pressure that carbon dioxide is a gas. So you're essentially left with just a piece of wood filled with air. Tell us about the history of this method or this concept for drying. Supercritical fluids in general have been around for over 100 years, and they were first observed in the 1800s. And by the mid-1900s, they were being used in a lot of industrial processes. Some processes using aerospace to dry different types of materials and as solvents. And nowadays, they're used quite a bit in industry and commercial applications down to even dry cleaning your clothes. If you ever go to one of these termed green dry cleaners, what they're using is basically supercritical carbon dioxide. So as a whole, supercritical fluids have been around for quite a while. The folks, as I mentioned earlier, from St. Andrews University adapted kind of a method and developed kind of a their own spin on a drying method using organic solvents for waterlogged wood. What we did then was to evaluate their method against common types of treatment methods for waterlogged wood. What came out of the project? What were your findings? Well, our research was concerned with evaluating the process that those at St. Andrews University developed against uh, polyethylene glycol and freeze drying process, which is just essentially putting a synthetic wax in the wood and freeze drying it, much in the way that tax, some taxidermy is done nowadays. And that also prevents shrinkage from occurring. And we also evaluated this 
method against just plain air drying. And what we were looking for was the shrinkage of the wood. The goal was to have the least amount of shrinkage possible. And also if any cracking occurred and some of the qualitative kind of aesthetic appearance of the wood as well. What we found were many of what things of which we suspected or hypothesized. First, that the waterlogged wood that we used and we just let it sit out on the lab bench and air dry, shrunk up like a sponge, no surprise there. But also the current, you know, popular method of filling this thing up with synthetic wax or polyethylene glycol followed by freeze drying gave very good results and little shrinkage. Some amount of shrinkage occurred from the supercritical process we were using. But really it's fairly negligible compared to some other types of treatment techniques out there and also to just air drying in general. So okay, fairly good results. We had some pieces of wood where the degradation was very high and the supercritical fluid wasn't able to prevent some of the shrinkage that occurred on that wood and also caused cracking. That was an unexpected result we had. So really, we found that the supercritical process presented us with good results, but uh, kind of on par with the current technique of synthetic wax and freeze drying. There are some advantages to this technique, and this is why we kind of looked at it, and it can still be applied in many cases in that it doesn't leave material in the wood. You're left with a natural piece of wood at the end instead of a piece of wood that is soaked with synthetic wax or other materials. Um, it's also much faster than current techniques. This freeze-drying technique that I had explained can take on the order of a few months to a few years depending on the type of artifact, whereas the process using supercritical fluid cuts that time down to a few days to a few weeks. So from a cost-wise perspective and time and resources, supercritical fluid could be more advantageous for large projects than the traditional techniques. Are there other applications for supercritical drying? There are other applications for supercritical drying, not just with wood, but also with other types of waterlogged artifacts. And that had, has been explored by St. Andrews University and Clemson University, who were um, some of our co-investigators on the project, are using this type of technique to dry things such as waterlogged corks from their Hunley submarine shipwreck. So there are different things that could be done with drying, but also supercritical fluids in general can be applied to the field of conservation in many different ways. I mentioned that commonly now you find these dry cleaners that use supercritical carbon dioxide to clean things. This could be applied to museum textiles, uh, probably with fairly good results, and to other fairly fragile materials such as cleaning feathers, which has always been a problem in conservation. So there are a number of different applications out there. It just takes the time and uh, the money to really look into this. You mentioned the pressure cooker concept. It, does it require specialized equipment or a, a dedicated laboratory to uh, execute this type of method for drying? Yeah, supercritical fluids require fairly high pressures 
sometimes on the order of a scuba tank pressure. So thousands of PSI. Ours was ours was below a thousand PSI. But at the same time, you need to have specially constructed vessels that are well engineered and safety checked because as you can imagine, such high pressures, if something goes wrong, you may end up with the lack of a laboratory (laughs) or artifact or personal effects afterwards. So it does require some specialized equipment, but not necessarily specialized laboratories. I mean, just like a freeze dryer is a specialized piece of equipment and someone can be trained on it. So can a supercritical fluid chamber. Okay. Where currently can supercritical drying be performed? There are only a few laboratories in the world that are really looking into supercritical drying. I mentioned St. Andrews University. They have a supercritical chamber, which they had carried out waterlogged wood conservation. I'm not sure what the status is at this moment. Also, Clemson University, one of our co-investigators, has a supercritical chamber and are working on developing different techniques uh, using this type of methodology. I know there are a few others, I think one in China and maybe another uh, Far East country as well, but I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head where they are at. So where do you see this research going in the future? I think we've now established from this research and the research at St. Andrews that this is a fairly viable technique. We carried out our experiments on a very small scale. Our chamber that we used was on the order of a few liters in capacity. At this point, I think there's enough research that has been conducted so that uh, one can scale up the process and maybe start treating larger artifacts and looking at some of the effects that we had observed, such as this cracking phenomena, and trying to figure out the mechanism behind that and some of the optimum treatment methods that are out there. Well, great. Well, Eric, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. That was Jeff Ewan interviewing Eric Schindelholz. If you would like to learn more about this project, visit our podcast show notes at the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training website. That's ncptt.nps.gov. Until next time, goodbye, everybody.